0: Just back from Japan. What were you doing over there?
1: Yeah, we were over there with uh, 13 other Georgia officials. Uh, and don't worry, it wasn't paid for at state expense. Uh, the Japan Foundation spent a fortune getting us over there, and I, I later found out they're funded by the Japanese government. And Tim, I think they're ve- the Japanese uh, government very concerned about continuing good trade relations with the U.S., and they're doing everything they possibly can to. Uh, to to keep their their stuff uh, flowing over here and us buying it
0: All right now, and that has to do with energy you regulate the energy companies the public service commission does has to do with energy and energy production how?
1: Yeah well uh, you know a number of things uh, the Japanese have deregulated their gas market uh, after they shut down all their nuclear reactors at, after Fukushima that Fukushima accident uh, back in, in 2012, Uh, was really uh, the straw that broke the camel's back on on nuclear energy in the world. The Germans decided after that accident they were going to shut all their reactors down. This had a domino effect. It impacted all the French companies that were involved with reprocessing nuclear waste. It was, I think other than Chernobyl, the single biggest negative impactor on nuclear energy you know, in the history of the world.
0: And that impacts us, or does it, uh, in terms of politically, the, the way we approach energy decisions here, in terms of technology, the type of technology we use, for example, at Plant Vogel, the construction, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that, the expansion there. I mean, those things happen, and as you say, the chilling effect on nuclear energy, uh, that impacts us how?
1: Yeah, so there were a lot of folks signed up to build the the AP-1000s that we're building. But after the accident, uh, all those orders were, uh, you know, were deleted. Uh, States that were planning on doing it decided, well, maybe we won't do it after all. It left just us in South Carolina. And then, of course, the Westinghouse bankruptcy, all of that happened. And then here we are just left by ourselves. So instead of it being, uh, you know, this mass production uh, you know, cheap, relatively speaking, uh, energy source. All of a sudden, it's just one. It becomes uh, not a lost leader anymore for Westinghouse and Toshiba, but it becomes this albatross hanging around their na- neck. And they bankrupt, uh, you know, Toshiba, the, the Japanese company, bankrupted Westinghouse. Then they sold Westinghouse. And here we're stuck. Uh, basically holding the bag, trying to finish up the project, which we're going to do, but at much greater expense than we had planned on.
0: And now we're hearing with another potential delay. It was the the brief from the Georgia DOT, or the Georgia PSC, I should say, Public Service Commission. You're on that Public Service Commission brief that we heard about this week that says, uh, yeah, maybe another delay in the projected timelines, which right now say November 2021, November 2022. Now, Georgia Power says they're going to aim for those dates, but what's the reality here?
1: Yeah, actually, we were a little bit ahead of that. So we were, uh, we were about five and a half months ahead of that. That slipped, I think, about a month and a half. So we're still, we're we'll, we're still set for November twenty twenty one. And frankly, Tim, the commission put some hefty penalties on the power company if they were passed that date. We did this back in December seventeen. So. They were very confident back then they could make it, so they agreed to these penalties. Uh, now they probably regret it because if they do miss it, then they're going to get whacked, uh, whacked pretty substantially. Well, in they terms get of their whacked. Profit. We
0: get whacked, don't we? I mean, we're the we're the ones who pay the rates for Georgia Power.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we will cut their return on equity. Uh, we need them coming in on time. I mean, frankly, every month that they're delayed, it does cost us. It costs us money, so we don't need need any delays, that's for sure.
0: Uh, Speaking of Georgia Power, uh, Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission, just wrapped up this week, uh, or or did you wrap it up? I know you've been holding hearings on Georgia Power's latest request for a rate increase, and this one would be pretty hefty. I mean, this would be one that folks would notice here. Uh, Where are we in the hearings process?
1: Yeah, we just finished them yesterday at about 1 o'clock, so I'm in what's called ex parte now with all of the – Groups, I can't talk to Georgia Power. I can't talk to our staff. I can't talk to the Sierra Club, any, anyone that was a, an official intervener. But I can tell you, I've already teed up a motion that if, if, if we don't get a settlement between the uh, our staff and Georgia Power, I've, I've written this motion. I've given it to my fellow commissioners. Uh, and it, it basically says that there won't be any base rate increase next well, what year. What this is, yeah. isn't?
0: I mean, I, I'm I'm right in characterizing this as a negotiation. Georgia Power walks in with a number, uh-huh. uh, and and that's, that's right. the starting point, not the ending point.
1: Yeah. Th- so you know they're they're entitled to the revenue needs to run their company. I mean they 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 get that. This isn't Tim something where we just flip a coin and decide whether to give them. The money, the way the regulatory compact works, and I didn't create this, this was created long before me, is that they get the monopoly uh, and then we provide them the money to be able to do it, assuming we can verify that that's what they need to do this. We audit their expenses and we set their return on equity, meaning all the stuff that they own, they get a percentage and uh, that percentage has been uh, 10.95%. So we... We set that, and more than likely, we're going to reduce that this year. Uh, so we're negotiating over the amount. We're We're negotiating over exactly how this rate case. I mean, the, how this rate increase is going to be in their rates. Will it be an increase in the base fee? Will it be a higher energy cost? Will manufacturers pay more? Will restaurants pay less? So there's there's a lot of debate. A lot of moving parts you know, uh, thousands and thousands of pages. Uh, so it's, it's not just a matter of should they or shouldn't they.
0: Uh, Tim Eccles on the Georgia Public Service Commission. When do you guys come back with a decision on this?
1: Well, the staff is negotiating probably today with the power company. They may come to a deal. Uh, no matter what, we have to vote on December 17th. So let's just say they don't reach a deal. Then I've got my motion that I've written. It's quite lengthy, 17 points, and Uh, and that would be put on the table on the 17th and put up for a vote with the commissioners. And if that passes, then that will be that will be the rate for the next 3 years.
0: And the number that Georgia Power walked in with and you'll need to refresh my memory here but something on the order I think it was said to and these are kind of nebulous figures or can be, but I think I saw that the the average Georgia Power rate payer would see something on the order of a $24-25 increase in the monthly bill. No,
1: it's not it's, it's not that much. It was well, I it hope was not. going to be a base increase of of about $7.95 for the base charge and then with the energy probably another $5 so I would say for the, you know, for the average customer, and you're probably using more than the average customer, mm-hmm. but so maybe 20 bucks for you, maybe 12 bucks for the average customer who has a two-bedroom home or a, you know, in Athens, let's just say, you know, a student apartment or something like that. So it, it is going to go up, but but Tim, the, the coal ash regulation coming out of the EPA is requiring us to spend about seven billion, with a B, seven billion dollars, uh, just over the next fifteen years, you know, mitigating this coal ash. So that is, you know, probably three quarters of the cost of this.
0: And just one more thing on this, and then we'll break and come back and talk some politics because you're in the mix as much as anybody else here. Uh, but the, quickly, this uh, this decision regarding Georgia Power, uh, how might it impact EMCs, if at all?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to impact EMCs. I mean, the Vogel thing e, uh, impacts EMCs more because they're co-owners in the Vogel project. There's nothing about Vogel in this rate case. So once Vogel comes into rates in 2022, we're going to have another jump, another 5 or 6% jump, putting everything but the interest into rates. Uh, the interest is all has already been collected. That's what people have been paying. So you won't have to pay that again. Uh, but the actual brick and mortar, so to speak, that will be put in in 2022. I imagine EMC's rates will go up then as well as George Powers.
0: Jim Eccles on the Georgia Public Service Commission. Now, early on, I mean way early on, uh, Johnny Isaacson, Senator Johnny Isaacson, announces his plans to retire at the end of the year. His health issues is well documented. He's not going to complete his term. Uh, the governor uh, by way of filling the seat, and Governor Brian Kemp will make an appointment at some point, sooner or probably rather than later, he has to do it by the end of the year, uh, he will name a replacement. The governor set up this website. Go there and apply, and your application will be considered. 500-some-odd people did. You were among the very first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to posit that probably Governor Kemp is going to go in another direction. Uh, We are hearing a couple of names out there that Doug Collins, Congressman Doug Collins, who's wanted it from the start as well. Kelly Loeffler, uh, the name that we're hearing most recently, uh, maybe didn't want it. Uh, He was approached five years ago to run. She didn't. Uh, We're told got into this process very late. Uh, We're further told the two of them, Governor Kemp, Kelly Loeffler, up to Washington for, quote, unquote, secret meetings with President Trump, who wants the governor to appoint doug collins what do you make of all of this
1: Mm -hmm. yeah doug put his name in early so did i uh i was with the governor i guess maybe three weeks ago he we were out in this hall behind this place where we were speaking and he said hey thanks for putting your name in i said well i think we really need to put a a female or an african-american in the slot and i gave him four names that had applied that i thought uh that i thought was, was the best choice and you know, one of them was Jan Jones. That's my top pick. And then Martha Zoller was number two. Garland Hunt, the African-American who was on the Board of Partnering Paroles, was three. And Melvin Everson was four. Just because, Tim, I think we do need to, as you said earlier, uh, check a box uh, a- and have a different person than just another white male in this position. But, I mean, clearly Doug Collins is very qualified He's not only the presidential favorite, but I I would say he's probably the party favorite down here in Georgia. But I appreciate what the governor's trying to do. He wants to ensure that the party continues to maintain a majority, and he knows that we've got to get uh, a substantial female uh, that that is attractive, that's liked,
0: into a prominent position. Well, a name I'm hearing on that front is Jan Jones. Uh, Speaker pro tem, North Fulton would give you those or, or would fight competitively in those northern suburbs, which we are told are going to be the battleground uh, in 2020. Uh, Jan Jones, a possibility. I, I gather she wants it. Yes, yeah, she does. And she... Uh, I've
1: talked with her. She she checks the uh, she checks the same box that Kelly checks. I mean, yeah, Kelly's uh, you know novel with the, you know owning the team and uh, you know and having being self funded. All that is is a great thing. But I really think Jan checks all those box boxes and and Jan is go, Jan is going to be very well liked uh, and she's proven. So I, I hope he picks Jan. I, th- I think that's that's the logical pick here. Uh, to satisfy the most people. It's, it's the president that's really the wild card here.
0: All right, let's go all hypothetical here for a quick moment. Let's say that it is Doug Collins. Well, uh, clearly that would open a congressional seat. Uh, it, it Might that be something? You have resisted opportunities to run for other offices for Congress. Uh, you've had the opportunity and you've resisted it to this point. Is that something you might consider given that hypothetical?
1: Well, I am in his district and I do feel like Martha Zoller will run for the seat as well as Butch Miller, who owns Milton Martin Hondo. And is and, in the Georgia Senate. And he's in the Georgia Senate. So, uh, I, I, you know, Tim, I, I, I would I would like to go to Washington one day. I would. I, I mean, I served, served for Congressman Paul Brown and learned a lot about the D.C. system. Of course, I started Teen Pack, the national youth organization that's in 48 states now. I do, you know, I do want to continue to grow in my leadership in the state, but I just— I just don't know if that is, you know, the right thing for me to do. I do want to finish Vogel. I wanna finish my job here. Uh, to make sure that I've I've done done right you know, on behalf of ratepayers and finishing this very important project? I, I just don't know.
0: Uh, it may be not a fair question. There's a lot of hypotheticals there. If Doug Collins this, if you that, those are maybe not the best way to approach those questions anyway, although I suppose, listen, that's the nature of politics. You're always having to be thinking a step or two ahead. Uh, circle back to Governor Brian Kemp, and, and we can be, and let's just put on your political analyst hat here for a moment, we can be either admiring of or critical of the process, the way he's gone about doing this, I don't know that there ever was a perfect answer for the governor here by way of filling this seat. Everybody who would be a significant candidate for this seat, by which we mean now appointment, not running for the office, but being appointed to it, everybody brings a constituency with them. And everybody who doesn't get that job has a constituency that is at least momentarily and to different degrees, not happy about that. The governor it's a long-winded way of saying the governor's going to make a lot of people unhappy while making only one person in one constituency happy.
1: Well, it is an honor to be to be talked about and considered. So, you know, my wife and I talked about this, we put our name in and we knew that you know, the likelihood of me getting selected, you know, was you know, was was minimal. Uh, but, you know, it is an honor to have people consider you. Uh, it, it is something that you know that I that I think the governor was using an out of out of the box methodology. He he continues to surprise in a positive way. Uh, you know, so to your point, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of disappointed people, but it, at the same time, this has given him and his staff a chance not only to vet people for the Senate position, but think about all the other resumes they've they they've had and that they've looked at. He has literally hundreds of other boards. That he has to
0: fill with volunteer positions, and oh, I've, I've said this over yeah. the, over these past few weeks. Uh, they, 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 okay, uh, uh, okay, Mr. Jones, we're not going to appoint you to the Senate. However, there's a state house seat over there. We think you would look really good as a candidate there in District Number Fifty Whatever.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think I think what the governor's doing is it's allowed him to jumpstart his administration. Um, you know, by by having a lot of other very highly qualified people to consider for not only political positions, but positions like the one that I got my start with, the Governor's Office of Children and Families. I got I got appointed to that by Sonny Perdue in 2003, and that gave me a chance to serve the state in a special way Uh, and learn something about state government, and now I'm an official. So there's nothing wrong with taking baby steps and getting involved.
0: You know, and that's the thing. So many people, and and you're in, and you would agree, and in fact you have said over the years in your role as a Georgia Public Service Commissioner, one of the things you wanted to do, and I think you've accomplished this, is elevate the profile not only of Tim Eccles, but of the Georgia Public Service Commission itself. It's not the sexiest thing in state government, uh, but it's an essential thing in state government. And and you... All these years later, you're still riding that pony. Yeah, I, I think that people, because the name Public
1: Service Commission is so nebulous and vague, people don't understand the significance. But uh, it, it does impact every single person in the state, and I, and I have worked tirelessly to elevate what that means. And, and, you know, starting my own radio show, traveling the state all the time. You know, doing social media, especially Twitter like crazy, uh, because I want people to understand what it does. But I also want them to bring bring their problems to me so that I can fix things that, you know, that's broken about, you know, their billing or whatever. So uh, and and if you don't know who to reach out to, then you're just frustrated.
0: Yeah, and by the way of making people know who to reach out to in the instance of something like that, okay, I, I got a problem with my energy provider, Georgia Power, somebody else. I got a problem with some other area of regulation uh, that falls under the umbrella of the Georgia Public Service Commission. What do people do?
1: Yeah, well, you know, they probably try to call the power company, maybe they butt heads with with the utility and then they they wind up voicing it on Twitter. I, I troll for that stuff. I look for <laughs> complaints and, and and send a person a direct message and say hey what's your account number let me check on this for you and and I have made a lot of friends uh, by doing this, and uh, it's it's a part of my job and something I enjoy. And that's why I'm not really that anxious to go to Washington and sleep on an air mattress in an office.
0: <laughs> Tim Eccles on the Georgia Public Service Commission. And again, and I think even more importantly, the host of Energy Matters, the show that you hear uh, 8, o'clock week, uh, 8 o'clock Saturday mornings, I should say, here on WGA. You, you, I know a holiday weekend. You got a show this weekend? Yeah, we got an on-the-road show. I've got Doug Meal with the
1: Georgia Chamber. Uh, The first half hour and then we've got Karen Bremer from the Georgia Restaurant Association and talking with her about, you know, the unique energy needs of restaurants. They did intervene in the rate case. Uh, And then we've got uh, another guest, uh, Freddie Cardoza from Gas South, who talks about how we get natural gas all the way from uh, from Louisiana here to Georgia.